Hey, Dreamers. My guest today hasn't been on the Dreamers podcast since like July of 2014. So it's been a it's been a long time since uh, since he's been around here on the show. My good friend, I want to introduce Jared Diamond. I can't believe I'm back. I know, I'm right? Back. Three years. Did you ever think it would happen? You promised me a follow up. It just took you three years okay. to call. I know, right? I promised everybody a follow up. It usually <laughs> takes a while. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to be in the lucky club. How many people have been on two? Oh. How exclusive is this club that I'm in now? Two is is kind. It's pretty exclusive. There's like there are people that have been on the show like five or six times. Well, I'm just honored to be in the multiple. That's like being you know it's like feeling I'm a five time SNL host. Mm-hmm. I need some sort of ceremony after this is over. We need to <laughs> we need to get you back on the show a little sooner than three years <laughs> to make sure that uh, you know. To check up on you and see how things are going. So I'm, I'm happy to hear we're, we're here outside, uh, just outside the Franklin Fountain here in, uh, I guess it's considered old city Philadelphia. And uh, at least it should be old. It looks old. It looks old. Yeah, old enough. This fountain is old. Old enough for what? The ice cream, sh- the ice cream shop is old. Yes. The ice cream shop is old. And I'm eating ice cream as I uh, do this interview. Uh, Anyway, Jared, uh, at the time, Jared was, um, you were following the Mets, and this was like a big thing that just happened not that long before we we had you on the show and all that, like what, like a year or so? It was before? my second year, yeah. Yeah, you're it going was my second, second year. year. So now, let's let's talk about where, you, where have you been in the last three years? <laughs> wow, a lot has changed. Uh, so I ended up doing three seasons on the Mets, so 2013, 2014, and then 2015, where I was following the Mets full-time, like we talked about on the first episode. Then in 2016, I switched my beat to covering the Yankees full-time. I spent all of last year following around the Yankees, very similar to what I was doing, but different team, different people, different environment. You know, it's a similar job, but every team is different. Every team has its own challenges, different corporate cultures, making every team you cover a definitely a different experience. And then this season, a new opportunity came up at the Wall Street Journal, where I'm now the national baseball writer. National! So I don't just follow around one team, I have to pay attention to all 30 and write about all of them, which has been a really fun challenge so far. But you get to do it from the comfort of your home city for the most part. For the most part, I'm not traveling as much, for sure, as I used to. For the four years I was on the beat full-time, I was traveling close to 150 nights a year, uh, which is about obviously half the year, if you need help with that math. This year will be probably closer to 50 nights, which still sounds like a lot. When you're coming down from 150, it sounds like paradise. So I spend most of my nights at home now. Uh, I don't work as many nights. I don't cover the games per se. With the stuff I'm writing about are more big picture stories, features about the teams, about the players, about the industry as a business as a whole. Most of that does not happen during the game. Most of that happens before the games. I talk to people on the phone. I talk to people before the games, and I get to go home. But the stories I'm writing are larger. They usually require more work, whereas on the beat, I would go and report and write a story in a couple hours. Now I'm working on things for a week or weeks at a time, one story regularly. And and what brought you here was that the Reds were in town in Philly. Yes, I needed a specific player on the Reds. I'm working on a story involving him. It's not a story about the Reds, but it's a story that involves a specific player that I thought, oh, that's convenient. He's in Philly. I live about 90-minute drive from Philly. Zip down, talk to him this afternoon, and I said, why don't I call up my good friend Joe, and we'll do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Way to pass it to me while I'm eating. Sorry. You no, know, we don't edit the show anymore. <laughs> That's one thing that's changed in three years. All right, I'll make sure so. when you're eating ice cream, I'll, I'll just keep rambling. Every, every time I mouse full. Yeah, no, I'll keep talking. <laughs> oh, I'll just do a stretching cycle. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's, I mean, that's really incredible. I, so would you say that you, you enjoy the writing more now that the story, like, compared? Not just the travel, right? Because, like, obviously the travel, you have, you have a wife. <laughs> so get it, you know the travel end of it is is a bit tough um, in general with with having trying to have a family, but um, but just the writing aspect of it, like the, what you actually do, part is that better or it, the stories the I'm writing now are definitely larger impact. They're stories that if I'm doing the job well, apply to all baseball fans or even non-baseball fans. They're not stories about the Yankees. That's it. A job that's going to mostly appeal to Yankee fans. Yeah. Occasionally, you'll write a story that transcends beyond just Yankee fans to the larger audience, but that's more rare. In this job, ideally, every story I write has broad appeal to all fans of baseball. That's why most of the stories I write, not all, but most, are not just about one team. Sometimes I'll write a story that just focuses on one team or one player, but the the best stories I do are ones that have broad implications. They're about the industry as a whole, trends that you see, that multiple teams are doing a certain thing. This is where the industry is going. Those are the stories that do the best because no matter what team you root for, if you are a baseball fan or just a sports fan or just anyone really, could find an application. And that makes the job harder in some ways because those stories are hard to come up with. They're not right in front of you. When you're covering a beat like the Yankees, there's always news. There's always stories right in front of your face. You're in the locker room every day with the players. You know them. You have relationships with them. I don't have that now. I'm not able just to kind of walk into a clubhouse and hope an idea just hits me from observation. But when you have a good story, they are bigger. And that's really all you could ask for as a writer is that the most people will want to read your stuff. So would you would you say that traveling fifty days out of the year is still like a lot? I know you said it's a lot. Like, it's a lot to come off of, but is, would you still say it's a lot? It's certainly a lot compared to most a lot of people for That's sure. True. But the difference is when I'm traveling now is because I want to or feel like I need need to. It's not rote. It's not just a routine. It's not just the schedule says I have to be in Milwaukee. I have to be in Cincinnati. I have to be in Toronto. Now it's, I have a goal. I, I have an idea for a story. I really want to pursue it. How am I going to do it? I'm going to go spend two days in Los Angeles to work on that story. And that's exciting. You're traveling, yes, but you don't feel like you're just doing it because you have to. Because you want to, it's for a larger goal, which is a really good story. I'll still do a lot of traveling, for instance, in the baseball playoffs. In October, most of those 50 days, nights a year, will mostly come in October. Probably half of them will come in October or at least one. <laughs> yes. However, <laughs> you go to right during the playoffs, you know that people are interested, people are reading, people are paying attention. And that's fun. So yeah, it still stinks to be away for those nights, but at least you could look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm doing really good work and I'm doing work that people care about. And that's that's the goal. And that makes it easier to stomach. And frankly, covering the World Series, that's a dream. I got to do it last year. Last World Series, it was my second consecutive World Series I had the opportunity to cover. And it was an historic World Series. And I'll be able to tell my grandkids I was there and wrote about 
then the Cubs won that World Series. Oh, the Cubs, yeah, that's right. I was in I was in L.A. when that happened. That was an historic series that millions and millions of people will never forget. And I got to be there and write the definitive story about it for one of, if not the largest media outlet in the United States. Uh, that's an incredible opportunity. And you have to travel to do it, but it's worth it for that. That's why I don't mind. Right, right, right. So... Would you say that there's more pressure on you now that um, you you have to, like, pick and choose what you're going to write about versus, like, before it's like, oh, well, I have to write a story every single day. If it's not, every everyone doesn't have to be an A-plus to justify what I'm doing, right? Yes, exactly. So, but now, like, is there more pressure on you because, like, yeah, you don't have to write a story every day, but they need to be, like... B plus or higher on every you know every single you one. completely nailed it. It's I'm writing one to two stories a week as opposed to six or more. Wow. Um, but the goal is that all of them have to have make an impact of some kind. No, look, there's still variation within that. Not every story, even writing one or two a week, could be a monster home run. It's just not possible. Right. You need enough home runs to sustain you. You write other stories in between. You have a big hit, though. You need those. You need to be able to look back and say, you know what? I had six, seven, five, six, whatever number it is, stories that were really big. And there's always going to be stories that don't do as well. And also, sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you hope. It's right, just the reality. Right. There's sometimes you think you have a good idea, and then you write it, and it just thuds. And there's a lot of reason for that. It could be the reporting. It could just be the headline. It could be the time of day it was published, the day of the week it was published. There's a lot of factors that go in to what people read, what people read, how people read, etc. But ideally, yes, there's definitely pressure knowing that I can't just kind of skirt by. On the beat, not that you always tried your best, but you always knew that it's okay if I have a day where you just kind of... You, yeah, you write like a C plus it's workmanlike. C... It's workmanlike. It's professional. Yeah. It's certainly nothing embarrassing. Right. But... You but know, it's not, it's not, you're ma- put in your it's not making a, an impact yeah. of a meaningful way. My goal now is for, if not all, most of my stories to have some sort of impact where I know uh, it's being read and hopefully remembered longer than the 12 hours it's online. So, so okay, so now that you're, you're in that position, um, do you, how, like, how has your dream changed? <laughs> My dream. It's so funny. Just covering baseball was a dream when I we first spoke, yeah, and I yeah. achieved that dream at a much younger age and earlier in my career level than, you than I ever could have imagined to imagine. I was put put on the baseball beat at age 25. I was hoping at 30 if I was if everything worked out well. So I was five years ahead of schedule. Um, now the dream is just to continue to raise my profile. I don't know what my next step is from this. Uh, I think there's multiple ways that it could go. That doesn't mean I'm not still striving to improve. It just means I don't know what path my I'll go down next. Uh, it could be I end up doing a lot more television. That's something I'd like to continue to do, become more multimedia, have a little bit of a brand. Or I'm on TV, I do radio, I write. Another thing I'm very interested in, who knows how what happens, is have a role in, real, in content strategy and working on larger things at the journal as... An editor or someone that's sort of in charge of the baseball coverage as a whole. I'm not just the reporter. I have a role in shaping what it looks like for the future. Right, uh, right. I don't know what's going to happen next. 
it's nice to know that there are different branches, different paths. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily bad to not know. Uh, sometimes you kind of, you see where the road takes you. Right now, I'm only in my first year doing this. It's been a really fun but difficult challenge. And I believe that if I do a good job, opportunities will arise. So I think right now my, my goal is just to focus on doing the best job I can. And a year, two, three years down the road, we'll see where I end up. So, I mean, one of the advantages that you have now is that you're writing for a national audience. Where before it was like, oh, who cares about the Yankees? Those are the people that are going to read. Who cares about the Mets? Those are the people who are going to read. But being able to write for that national audience is going to get your, you more eyeballs. Absolutely. And those more eyeballs are going to bring more opportunity, for sure. The Wall Street Journal is a big brand that comes with a lot of respect. When I tell people I'm with the Wall Street Journal, they call me back. Now, I'm not saying they should, and I'm not saying I am worthy of that treatment. However, somebody at Wall Street Journal seems to think so. so. They call me back. <laughs> Baseball executives, owners, the general managers, they all read the journal because that's just what wealthy business people do. They read the journal. It's just kind of part of the, the, it's part of the coursework wow. for being... A so rich to get person. a phone call from somebody that's with the Wall Street Journal means People something. care about how they're presented in the journal. You know, even someplace like ESPN, which is a the premier sports destination, probably always will be, it's still just a sports... And I don't mean this as a pejorative. I'm just... This is how it's viewed. It's a, it's a sports publication, which yeah. is... The journal is bigger than sports. And how you are written about in the journal matters to these people and they know because I'm coming from the journal I'm not just going to ask them about so what's going on with your shortstop I'm going to come with a different take I'm not writing the same stuff ESPN is writing I try to write things that are just you know a little just sort of smart creative not necessarily just about the X's and O's of the game and I think that executives like that and they respect that and they want to talk to you for that reason but the reality is the Wall Street Journal comes with immediate recognition it looks great on your resume it just it matters the wall street journal still matters even in this world of the media business landscape right now which is changing and in some ways struggling the journal still has that name and it it makes me very proud to work there and it'll only be good moving forward just know that i've worked there now for six and a half years yeah i mean that's a i mean that's incredible like that's uh that's something that i think even the, just the name Wall Street Journal will live on even once there's no longer a need for, like, a wall, say, a Wall Street Journal, like, actual newspaper, right? Like, I, I the, it's so prestigious that it's one of those things where it's like, it'll, it's, it'll be historic even long after it may be gone. Right? The Wall Street Journal will be around for a long time. Will the Wall Street Journal print paper be around a long time? Right, right. No, not forever. I think we're still have decades left of print lease for the journal. Really? For the journal, De- yes. Not many papers could say that. Uh, okay. The journal wow. audience is older and very still, still print focused compared to others. I think the New York Times too will continue to publish in print for the, at least another 15, 20 years. That's maybe longer. I don't think many publications could say that. That said, uh, journal rev- journal subscriptions recently for the first time now skews online majority over print. Uh, that literally just happened last quarter for the first time where it flipped. It's still close to 50-50, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's obviously been trending 
with more and more digital, now we're over 50% digital subscriptions for the first time in the Wall Street Journal history. And it'll only continue to go that way. I think what you're also going to see is that the print product will be different. You know, it'll be, if you want it, you get it. Most people will still be will be digital like subscribers demand, demand type of thing yeah Versus but they're like, still oh, going to be go to the store and buy, as long buy as a, there a, are a baby coffee. boomers yeah. around yeah. I think yeah. the journal print edition will exist because I still know and I'm sure you too yeah. a lot of baby boomers older people in their 50s 40s 50s and up that still prefer print yet. That's the they're just <laughs> it's just the way they are there's going to be some technology that's going to far surpass the iPad and we're older and we're yeah. going to say well I just love my iPad and yeah. And younger people are going to say, it's not an iPad, now it's about brain implantation chip. I don't know. I think I would probably want to draw a line at that point. All, all that, the point I'm making is, I think the journal print will be around for a while longer. That said, the Wall Street Journal name, even when the print product finally does disappear for good, and it will, whether it's in 5, 10, or 20 years, it will, that brand's not going away anytime soon as for the foreseeable future because it is still always going to be known. I you shouldn't say always, you never know. But for the foreseeable future, be thought of as the definitive publication for business news, financial Absolutely. news. Um, I, I couldn't name another magazine, or not a magazine, Look, there's, we have our competitors. We have, we have, there's Bloomberg and Forbes and... They have a newspaper? No, not a newspaper. Okay, so I know there's magazines. Yeah. Um, the Wall Street Journal doesn't have a magazine, does it? There is a weekly, w, a but it's oh, features, okay. though. Oh, it's featured. Okay, okay. Our biggest competitor is still the New York Times, ultimately, oh, okay. and the Financial Times. That is a, a, pub, a print publication still. The Financial Times. It's pink. It's on pink paper. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's not the story. You'll see it. The New York Times is our biggest competitor, ultimately, uh, especially now the Wall Street Journal. While we're still business first, we yeah. we've and we, as time went by, positioned ourselves as try to be more of a general interest newspaper. That's why we have sports. There was no sports at the Wall Street Journal until, you know, seven, eight years ago. Oh, wow. It's a relatively you've new... you've been there for most of that time. Uh, I've been there for six and a half of maybe... Maybe it's been nine or ten now. The point is it's still relatively yeah, yeah, yeah. new. Um, Historically speaking... But we're trying yeah. to become more of a general interest newspaper. We have features. We have, you know, entertainment. We have news besides just financial news. Now we cover world politics. Oh, wow. But finance will always be our bread and butter. And that's what we'll always be known for. So, so I know that you want to get more into into media, like like other medias, not just written media, um, which is awesome because I, I could tell, like just talking to you, that you've come a long way in three years. You know, in, in your interview and, and all that, like you clearly have have adapted to, to growing in that in that respect. Well, it's about reps, right? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, as time as time has gone on, and my reputation has grown I've been invited on more radio shows more television for a while I had a regular gig on the Mets channel doing studio shows you know during the off season the hot stove show some pre-game post-game stuff uh, I think that's just all part of being a journalist in 2017 you have to be versatile the, the more versatile you are the more you bring the more opportunity you have for employment to be valuable no one could just do one thing anymore in this industry or any industry but nope, especially in this one <laughs> you have to be able to do it all and the key to TV look some people aren't just struggle with it some people get nervous the camera shy whatever but I think mostly it's just about reps and feeling comfortable in front of a microphone the more you do it the more comfortable 
you are. I never had any real formal training in this. I've just done it. I've talked to people that do it. I've asked them, how could I do better? What, after a radio interview or TV, what do I need to do for the next one to be even better? And you just kind of work on it. And there's a lot of great print reporters that went on to have be very successful in all multimedia. But I always want to keep writing. I don't plan on just being TV only. I, I love writing. I want to keep that part of my brain active. I, it's a very different skill. But they're both a lot of fun and, and worthwhile. So what's three things that, that you've learned that people can improve, like easy things that people can improve on, upon that want to get into that uh, media, like to, to get better at doing like multimedia, whether it's video or radio? I think the number one thing I've learned about interviews, and I hope I'm not doing this right now because they're my friend. Oh, no. Is, <laughs> I think that the trips up a lot of people in interviews is they are worried about being caught off guard by a question that they don't know how to answer and they're going to stutter or they're going to freeze because they don't know what to say. The reality is when you're on TV, people who are watching don't actually even remember what the question is by the time you answer it. You just could say basically anything you want as long as you say it confidently and you have a lot of control over the interview as the person being interviewed. You, if you don't know the answer to a question, you could basically talk about something you do know what to talk about and people will accept it because that's how TV works. It's such a quick, it's so quick. Well, yeah, you only have what, like a minute, two minutes, three minutes at, like at a shot. So like, feel comfortable just talking. Like not everyone's comfortable talking in public and some people have problems with uh, um, and stalling, but you just have to work on it. You know, yeah. talk in front of a mirror, try even in regular conversation. I find it worthwhile sometimes to almost act as if you're in an interview just to kind of get used to that kind of speaking, speaking clearly, speaking while thinking about what you're going to say next. I think that's a real challenge is you want to talk, but while you're talking, also be thinking about what's your next point, what's your next sentence. And that's a skill you just have to work on, but you can do it. And it's just about practicing. You should know, okay, I, I start here and I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. And you almost are, you're almost one step ahead in your brain. Your mouth and your brain are almost two are separate from each other but you learn as you go along I didn't know how to do it but I've learned uh, you can't control the tone of your voice but there's ways to improve your voice to speaking clearly I think more people could do it than people think I think people feel like I can't do that I'll get too nervous not necessarily well, the first time you will and the second time you will and the third time you will when you're in front of a camera at least when I'm on TV and I see that red light and the camera I don't think there's 50,000 people, or there's 10,000 people, or a million people, or whatever. Not a million, but thousand, thousand people watching this. I don't think that. Maybe 10 billion. Who I'm knows? just talking to the camera, or I'm talking to the person I'm having that's interviewing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pretend you're just you're having a normal conversation. Forget about the camera. Forget about the microphone. Just talk. Talk to your friend. It will come. It'll come out right. The second you start thinking about that blinking light. That's when things get bad. When you start thinking, all these people are watching. Just like being on stage. If you're acted or spoken in public. Right when you think about who's out there, that's when things go bad. When you're just having a conversation with your friend, like we're doing right now. Yep. It's not in your mind. You're able to kind of compartmentalize. But like everything else, just about reps and rep practice and about just working on it. Nothing comes easy until you just do it. 
Absolutely. I uh, so I don't think you're doing that now. I don't. I don't believe so. You could be. You're making I, it easy. Also, I, you're you're more comfortable doing these interviews than you were three years ago. I I would agree. I was just getting started then. Um, but I do want to remind everyone that they're listening to the Dreamers podcast, and when I'm sitting here on Joe Pardo at the Franklin Fountain talking to my man Jared Diamond. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal, who now covers national base baseball as a as a sport instead of just uh, the Mets or just the Yankees, and I don't mean to say just as in oh it's just the Yankees. You could say just the Mets. If you say just the Yankees, you could get sued. Oh, I probably you probably <laughs> the Yankees take themselves very seriously. But we are in, we, we are in Philly though. That's true. So we probably shouldn't talk about the Mets here either. No, no, not particularly. Um, <laughs> so. So thank you for the compliment, though. I appreciate that. Um, so what else? What else has been going on? Like, what's what else is new? Like, what's going on in life? In life, yeah. Like God, three what years else ago, is happening like, in life. Still married. Yeah, I was married awesome. when we did our, la- our we, last podcast. I think you had just. I was probably married, recently. Like, married. yeah. What year did you get married? Twenty thirteen in November. Th- that was a test. Sorry. November 2013, so we did it in July of 14. June, I think it was like June. June of 14, so we were May, still we were still basically newlyweds at that yes. time. Happy to report, still together still after three plus years. Uh, I don't know if that's an accomplishment, but I'm going to take it as one. It, every day is, man. Actually, October will be our 10-year of being together anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, so I think we'll make it. I think you're going to. I think we'll make it. I think we'll make it. What else is going on? My wife is now a teacher. Yeah. She had been a oh, journalist. She, she wasn't a teacher then? No. She was probably in grad school then. Or maybe just started teaching. Oh, okay. Don't remember. She had also was a journalist for a while. And she was? Yeah. I did not know that. She worked at the Oprah Winfrey Network. She worked at Martha Stewart Living. What? Uh, I, did, I, did, yeah. I never know. She I worked have, in why magazines. Why not have her on the show then? You should. Apparently. And she <laughs> did not like it and went to graduate school, got her master's. And now she's been a teacher for three years. So if this is three years. I mean, she would have started in it's like 20, September. September of 14. Yeah. So she was just getting ready to start teaching. Oh, wow. She probably had just gotten her job when we did did it. So she uh, loves awesome. her job. Sixth grade English. Uh, <laughs> very precocious little 11-year-olds. But she loves it. She's much happier now, which I think it's a great lesson that sometimes what you do, what you think you want to do might not be right for you absolutely and it doesn't mean that you failed or that you weren't cut out for it it just meant it wasn't a right fit at that moment i still believe my wife could have been a great journalist uh if the circumstances were different if she had a different job had a different boss had a different th- it's just not the way things worked out and the fact that she oprah left her wasn't a good boss <laughs> oprah probably was <laughs> it doesn't mean that you failed because you decided you wanted to change. It just meant that those are the circumstances at that moment. And it means that something else might be better for you right then. And I think sometimes people feel like, I, my wife went through it, that, well, I just, I didn't do it. I wasn't good enough. It was, I, I couldn't have made, I, I, I failed. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the way anyone who's looking to for a change should feel. There's a lot more than just your ability that goes into your success and your happiness. Sometimes you just need a change to change something that's just not right doesn't mean it started with you I think that's an important lesson that she's learned and I've learned from seeing her go through this process you know so I gotta tell you I don't think I ever mentioned this but um, when when we were at my house recording back in July of 2014 
you know, you said something to me that stuck with me. And and uh, do you know do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Oh man, that's disappointing. Okay. Well, I mean, I remember something. I just don't know what you're. Well, at least you're not say. giving me an answer that's like completely not. Well, I don't to want to say saying. it and be wrong. So why don't you tell me and I'll just say so, I, I knew. So you said. <laughs> so you you said you know Joe I feel like in a few years I'll be working for you. <laughs> Did you remember that? I do. You do remember that? I remember that. That that definitely. I'm still waiting for my for the offer. Well, I'm I'm believe me, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting. I, I don't think I can offer what you where I think that you're headed in your career, <laughs> but I can all. I think I might be able to offer something else uh, at, after we get done recording <laughs> this. We'll see. Um, but anyway, it, it really stuck with me, and I, I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciated it then, and I still appreciate it now. Uh, because, it, it, you know, you're not the only person that said that to me. <laughs> I've had, like, three people, uh, and it, most of them were, like, right when I got started, say that to me. And it meant a lot because it meant, like, hey, I'm doing something that, yeah, it might not be tomorrow, but uh, it's going to mean something. Go, you know, at some point, it, like, it's going to make a big difference. Uh, everything that I'm doing is going to make a difference. Uh, so, and yeah, so for me... You know, I just wanted to extend a, a thank you and to let you know that that did mean something. Like, you were saying it, and I don't know if you were serious or not. You don't have to answer if you're serious. But clearly, you asked, you know, you're still waiting for I, I, be- I believe that. I'm still waiting for that offer. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We, Lay it on me. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get there. We're going to get there in the not-too-distant future. Um, so, to, to wrap up, what do your dreams of the future look like now? Huh. You know, I still would love to be a big, famous journalist. Who wouldn't? I mean, who wouldn't want to be one of those guys that's on TV and, you know... That's, that would be true. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think I have the ability. It's just about continuing to improve. I'd like to write a book. You know, I can help you with that. It's something that I'm working on. I've started working potentially on a... I've had some ideas for book proposals, you know... Have some ideas. Book proposals are very hard. Just, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I've never done one. <laughs> just the book proposal is fifty double space pages, at least. That's what gets shopped around to publishers. So it's a it's and a process. Somebody's job to read through all that. First, it's not just you. You have like an agent who helps you write it, and the agent oh, sends on the pub. Oh man! But that's what I'd like. To do. I don't go through that. Process. It's something I'd like to do potentially too. Just continue to be diverse, and I don't. They're not saying I want to be famous. It's not about being famous. But I think there's an opportunity. Journalism is very important, and there's still great opportunities out there. So just keep getting bigger. Just keep building my stock, building my reputation. See what happens. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I, I don't I don't recall if that was what your... I should have listened to the episode before we, we got together. But I don't recall if that's what your dream, where your dreams of the future looked like. You know, three years ago, but um, still I think chasing time, though. Still you were, chasing. You were just like I think at that time you were like just starting to do some radio interviews. I bet back stuff. then my goal was just prove I could make it on this beat. I've been on the beat for three months at the time. That's true. Yeah. Now I think I showed that I was able to handle the beat, and I would never say I mastered it because that's not true. But I showed I could be proficient at it. <laughs> And now it's on to the next. And you got some points out of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I do miss those miles. 
you know, but now you have more time to to, to enjoy them, enjoy those miles that you you know. But man, paying for a flight myself, brutal. I I bet like a like a lay person like me have to pay for pay for your own. Flight. Who does that? <laughs> oh, Jared. So, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up here? When are you hiring me? That's it. Oh, uh, okay. All, all right, all right. We'll talk, we'll talk after we turn right. the mic off. We'll talk after we turn the mic off. Well, thank you so much, Jared, for, for reaching out, like, out of the blue. I'm glad I was available. I'm glad that it worked I'm out. glad I hit you on the right day. You, I know, man. I know. Well, I would have made it work anyway. Like, I would have I would have. Just Anytime coming to Philly, I give you a call. Can't, I can't Please. forget. Please. Please, please do. And I'm so so glad that you did. And uh, glad we got dinner. Glad we got some Franklin Fountain ice cream. And uh, your first time here at the Franklin Fountain. That's amazing. So, love it. Isn't it? Isn't it? I it's, love it. Such a cute place. It is. It's very uh, historic. Um, anyway. Uh, I look forward to three years from now. We're doing this No, again. we're going to do this And who knows sooner. what's going on then. We're going to be doing this a lot sooner than three years, I promise. We're, we're going to try to make it. Uh, within a year, we're gonna listen. We're gonna three years ago, do you think you'd even be doing this podcast in three years? You, who knows? You didn't know. You hoped. You know. But did you know? There was one. There was a trip to New York that I was hanging out with my friend Josh, and I actually considered ending it, like when I was up there, and like. But like now, aren't you happy? You did, show, aren't like, you happy now that you didn't? I am so happy that I did it. Took you know. But but I was happy even like not that long after that like that I continued it. But I'm even more happy now. Every day I get happier because I have a platform that has almost 300 episodes. Amazing. This is probably going to be like one of this might be episode 300. I don't know. I like, can't wait. And now now that I have a, some reputation, when I tweet it out and put it it's on gonna Facebook, mean something to people somebody. will read it. Or listen to it. You know what? Maybe it will be episode three hundred. Don't worry. I'll I'll get you some. I'll get you some subscribers. Down. Yeah. Maybe like one or two. And one or two. That every Thousand. every person counts. Thousand. Every person counts. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a, so. So one thing I learned about DreamCon, which was just last weekend, not to date this episode, but because this won't come out for a little while. Um, but one thing I learned is is you know when I started this show, it wasn't because I wanted to inspire other people. It's it was because I wanted them to inspire me. And, and that's happened. But I did inspire some people. In fact, one that, that ended up being able to walk when she couldn't walk. Wow. Yeah, she was in a wheel, she was wheelchair band. She, wheelchair band. Amazing. Yeah. Look what you're doing. I, it's all right here at this beautiful ice cream shop. I know. Right? I think yeah. the ice cream is what helping people walk. I, I had a lot of... I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. Mine, some of it melted, but I still oh, loved it. It's fine. Man. It's fine. I don't need it. So, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Dreamers Podcast, please, uh, you don't need to hit the subscribe button. It would be nice if you did uh, on iTunes or, or even if you're watching, you're listening to this on YouTube now. Um, that'd be great. Hit that like button if, you, if you're watching on YouTube. But just share it with a friend. Like, literally. Like, just reach out to somebody who could utilize this this information. I was about to say technology. Utilize this information to, to empower themselves to go to the next level. That's all. Just share it with somebody. That's all I ask. Tell your friends. Everyone's got someone with a dream. If you could use inspiration. Yes. Yes, they do. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.